Hello and welcome to the Strength to be Human podcast with your host, poet and playwright, Mark Antony Rossi. In this, our second year, we continue to explore the meaning of being an artist in an ever-changing digital world. Now, without further ado, here is your host. Hi, folks, and welcome back to Strength to Be Human. This is your host, Mark Anthony Rossi, poet and playwright, also producer of this show. I was talking with a, a writer the other day, and we had an interesting conversation. It was, it was a really good, uh, really good topic, and I was just—it literally struck me that wow, this is not something I really spoke about at all on the show since we since we started. So let's talk about this. I, I really love the, the the topic, and I'm, I'm glad that she had brought it up. Uh, not just for the show, but for her own case as well. All right, so this is going to be uh, episode 138, Finding Your Voice as a Writer. All right, we'll bring it down to three sections here. Uh, your voice, the writing voice, and then the artistic voice. All right, those are the three sections we'll go by. Now, it's funny because the the strange irony of this topic is, is that it's something that, that came about regarding this show in many ways. I mean, I literally started out with a network that's like, uh, I don't know about your voice. Uh, I mean, you're some Italian guy from New Jersey. How does that translate to something literary or even like academic? You know, because, you know, that's not racist to say that to somebody who's Italian. You know, I'm, I'm supposed to sound like a mobster or something. And I'm supposed to talk about violence and killing people and eating sandwiches. I mean, really? And it's one of the issues we continue to have as America is people have these weird stereotypes. Even these folks did. I don't know if uh, being racist against Italians is the last province of, of being nasty out there, but uh, apparently it's one of them anyway. It's one of the few that are, that are still left. Because <laughs> you wouldn't be able to do it with any other group. But uh, I think because I'm confident in what I had to say, and I'm comfortable speaking, and also the fact uh, that the show before me failed... And I already had 10 shows ready to go when I presented it to the network. I mean, I, I guess they just said, hey, let's give them a shot. You know, what could happen? You know, because, you know, they were kept telling me, you know, it, it's the average of eight shows when the podcast fails. I'm like, I already got 10 for you here. All ready to go, producing all different topics. All this strange Italian New Jersey voice. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> but uh, so I know a little bit about this, you know. One of the freedoms, unlike writing... Uh, with a podcast is as long as you're comfortable and, and you're confident what you're speaking about, it doesn't really matter what you sound like or where you're coming from. If people can understand you and you can communicate and, and they get what you're saying, even if it's a little different than they're used to, it, it works out just fine. So I really have had too many complaints about that. And anyone that does have a complaint about that, I'm happy to read your email. I've heard all the other complaints. Why not that? Ironically, I've never gotten that email once. Of course, now I'll probably get that from somebody being a smart aleck. But, hey, that's fine. That's, that's what happens on these shows sometimes. Now, one of the things she had talked about, and it makes it, it, just, it was just so crystal clear. It, it just brought everything to, to, to really to, to fruition for me was I, and this is what she had said, I speak like, you know, outside of writing, I speak like a hillbilly. And that's what she called it. I, I call it a rural person, but, you know, fine. 
She's talking about that she speaks more country. All right, big deal. Okay, I speak city. Oh, well. So you're going to have people that are going to be, that's going to grate them a little while too. But she was wondering, well, gee, if I speak that way and I'm trying to uh, put down words, I'm trying to write, uh, what happens with that situation? God forbid I write some of the way I speak. That's not really going to be the best writing. And yeah, I agree because I'm the same way. I wouldn't want to write down the city way that I speak on on paper. And, and there is no, no comparison to it. In fact, other times in the past, and I'm sure it will happen in the present and the future too, I've got people that, you know, if they come on the show or if you even chat or something like that, uh, you know, they'll remark that uh, I sound a lot more different than they think about me in their head when they read something that I wrote. I mean, I'll take it as a compliment, even if it's not really meant that way, because I understand. I mean, that's why, that's why I... I I didn't give the network a, a, a off the hook, so to speak. I literally told them, I said, isn't that kind of racist what you're saying? But at the same point, I understand that there are certain preconceptions the way sometimes even we sound. You know what I mean? Some Italian guy, I don't know, I'm supposed to be in the mob or I'm supposed to be a boxer. Adrian! You know, all that kind of crap. <laughs> or, you know, if you're somebody that's more rural, I don't know, you're supposed to just talk about agriculture all day long and having 17 babies. I mean, so there's all these, these preconceived notions about where we sound like, where we come from, and what we're supposed to be about. None of them, of course, tend to be true. Now, are, are there there's some truths to them? Yeah, I mean, sure, there's Italian boxes out there. Yes, there's Italian people that are actually in the mob. Oops. And, and of course, there's, I'm sure there's a lot of country people out there that do farming. You know, big deal. That doesn't mean they're all doing that, and it doesn't mean that any of that stuff, you know, has a has a wrong ring to it. I mean, you, you do what you do, even the mob stuff. I certainly don't endorse it, but at the same point, you know, if you freely choose to do that, then, you know, you accept all the good and all the bad with that. That's why I didn't choose that when I was growing up, okay? It's just that simple. Now, let's talk about the first section of the show, which is your voice. Now, when I mean your voice, we're talking about the voice like right now, the way I'm speaking. Yes, most of us don't sound the way we write Thank God. And thank God the other way around that most of us don't write the way we sound. Because that would be horrible too. You know? And I got nothing against you folks out there in academia. But I swear to God, I wouldn't want some professor speaking to me, uh, you know, on a personal basis like a professor. Okay? I don't know if I have enough uh, enough medication on hand to keep me awake. Okay? Because it really would be boring. I mean, I'm not striving to have to, you know intellectualize and analyze every freaking word out of your mouth to kind of get what's going on. Not too helpful. That's why we all want to be able to put down our hair when we speak. Whether it be the, uh, you know, the twang and the slang uh, of the country girl or, or whether it's going to be, uh, you know, the rough and tumble guy, the city guy, or, or whether it's just going to be somebody that's from the suburbs. I'm not really sure how you folks actually sound, quite frankly. Um, you're in between the country and the city, so I don't know. Maybe the whole your whole tone has been neutralized or something. You got me. Is that another uh, stereotype? Maybe it is. I'm just telling you, though, I don't really catch the same thing. I don't hear somebody saying, blah, 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 and I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, I got you. You're, you're from a suburb of, uh, of Philadelphia. <laughs> Who the hell knows what the hell that means, okay? But I understand that. And, of course, you know, you got some folks up there in, um, in Minnesota, and they, they sound, uh, I, I feel... Uh, very, very northern, almost uh, semi-Canadian. The California folks definitely have that unique way of, of speaking. I used to live in California, so I know it 
uh, inherently, and and sometimes it could drive me crazy. And they're like thinking I'm crazy. You sound like a New Yorker. I'm like, yeah, really. Mm-hmm. Go 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 get on the beach board, okay, and, and get away from me, okay. <laughs> but um, and of course you got your folks down in Texas. They got in a unique way of speaking, uh, a unique vocabulary, and sometimes it's intertwined with uh. You know the the the, uh, the Spanish language where it gets that Tex-Mex thing. You got a you got a lot of the arts and the music that kind of go in those directions. They kind of borrow from each other. So uh, we're a big and wide and diverse country. And lots of times when people come from other countries that are smaller, I think sometimes, especially if they travel around a lot, they 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 sort of like amazed and maybe even look a little confused on how many different American personalities they can be out there, how many different American accents, and how many different ways the American English language could turn. You know, it's not like, it's not like uh, uh, over there in England where they, where they have that, that particular accent and even particular words, and it tends to be spoken you know, throughout the, you know, the whole country. It, generally, it's uniform. There's not many, many differences. I mean, there are differences in Ireland and Wales and Scotland uh, compared to England, but in England itself, it, it's generally the same. You just can't say the same thing for America. There's probably like 15 or 20 different ways of going about things in this country. And if you travel long enough and you have the kind of finances to do so, you'd be really surprised. Especially if you had a little tape recorder with you. You'd be like, am I in another country? Uh, yeah, you might be actually <laughs> in some instances. And that's how we are. We could be very uh, uh, regionalistic that way and, and very individualistic that way. But in the end, it's our voice and, and it means something uh, to us. But when you're doing something in a more organized fashion, and that's where we're coming to the writing voice here, okay, it's different. You know, I don't want to sound like Jersey, not because I'm not proud from being from Jersey, not because I, I don't love being an Italian fellow. I do. But I don't want to speak that way on, when I'm writing at all, I, I, because not everybody's going to understand what the hell I'm talking about. Nobody cares about who died and left you boss. Okay? Nobody cares about forget about it. Nobody cares about any of that kind of stuff. Hell, half the people won't even understand what I'm talking about. Which is essentially how it's important to be able to be a writer is to connect. And if you can't connect by sounding so jargonistic or regionalistic or even even mega cultural, okay? Yeah, I'm making some of these words up, but I like it, okay? You'll understand what I'm saying, though. You're going to put yourself out of their corner. You're going to put yourself out in some other place beyond where it would be understanding. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure what he had to say was cool, but I don't get it. I'm going to move on to something else. And then you fail in that particular piece. Or if you keep doing it, you're going to fail all the way around because you're not making a connection. So it is important to do that. And I think that's what she was trying to say because I don't think she was saying anything about there was something wrong where she was from or even wrong how she's speaking because there really isn't any wrong or right in that regard. But where it concerns writing, yeah, there's some general rules. There's some common sense that you have to apply there. All right, so let's go on to that here. The writing voice, okay? Mark, how do I find my writing voice? And when we're saying writing voice, I'm literally meaning the voice that you're putting down on paper with your words. We'll talk about the artistic voice a little later. It has more to do with philosophy and the, the metaphor and some of the things you might be searching for in life. Not the same as the writing voice. Well, how do you find the writing voice? Well, one of the best ways to find your writing voice, especially if you're just starting out, and this is really a, a major question for you, is to write the way you speak on paper. Nothing wrong with that. Write a draft out and then start adjusting that to the voice that you believe you should be having. Okay? All right? 
If you if you're going with, uh, you understand what I'm saying here, y'all. Write that down. But you understand the minute you see y'all on paper, you know that's just not going to work out. Half a country don't even know what the hell you're talking about. It's really a, a um, I guess you could say a, a, a country, um, a, a country way of saying you all. Yeah, I think that's what it is, and and, and that's what is actually being said. But it's put together really easily and, and, and cleverly and, and quickly, in in a slang type fashion. No, no, most people won't even understand what you're talking about. So maybe it's the time when you could write in there, okay, and we get this y'all out of here and put in you all. What do I even like you all? If I'm going to keep using that way, or do I just want to say all of you? So those are the ways that you start finding your writing voice by actually literally making the draft corrections on what you're writing. As you continue to do those kinds of corrections, you'll start figuring out yourself on a very personal basis the kind of vocabulary that you want to choose, that you feel comfortable with, because you're going to be using it on a more regular basis than you realize. Eventually, it might just come secondhand or even subliminally. So it's like teaching yourself a good habit because you know in the end, as you keep doing it, it stays a good habit. Like they used to say, success is a good habit. Well, I don't know about any of that. But what I do know is this. When you start training yourself to do that, you start finding your particular voice. The type of style that you want to physically write. And once you start developing that, it becomes second nature to who you are as a writer. You'll be able to instantly interpret that country voice in your head that city voice, that California voice, that Minnesota voice, that Texas voice. Yeah, I know there's a voice up there in Maine too. Don't, don't, don't think you guys are getting away from me here, okay? It's up there. I know what it is. You'll be able to instantly interpret that to your filter that you've created into this new writing voice. It just takes some time and practice. I'm not talking about months. I'm not even talking about, you know, years here. You keep at it, just even a couple weeks, you're going to start building it together to where you start getting more comfortable. That's how you do that. You don't have to stop talking the way you want to talk. Okay? You're just starting to write in the writing voice that you need in order to make the communication out to those other folks. So they're not lost in what you have to say. Because that's the whole point of writing is to get across something you want to get across to somebody. Whether it's a feeling or an idea or a theory, or even an emotion. Well, sometimes it can even be a message, although I'm, I'm a little shaky on that sometimes because I don't like too much message stuff. You start leaving the area of art and go into propaganda. But I think you know what I mean generally about a message in the sense of the message of a point of view, which is not the same thing as, as propaganda. But that's what you want to be able to do. And you can only do that by literally practicing out I mean, it could take you, I don't know, 10, 12 drafts maybe. And it could be the same piece that you do in the draft. Or you could just put the other thing aside, do something else, and go start doing some drafts on that. Each time you're doing this, you're creating more and more of your writing persona, which is much more, I feel, important than the way you speak on a, on a regular basis out there. Because you're speaking in shorthand, to your community and the people that you know already and family and friends and all of that. So there's no reason to have to edit yourself or, or, or to change this and change that. They already know you. They know the accent. They know the words. They know the slang. Cool. It's the writing persona that you got to create. And understand this, okay? 
I'm not talking about forging a different identity here, okay? The writing that you're doing, even though it might sound different than the way you speak in the normal day life, it's still you. It's not another person. That's still who you are. It's just no different, and I described this to her, to her as well, and I'll describe it to you. It's no different than learning another language, and now you're over in Paris, speaking to some rude Paris person, okay? Because I've been there a number of times. They're mostly rude. It's too bad, but that's what it is. But you're speaking to them in French. You're still who you are. You're just speaking a different language. That's all, okay? And I've certainly, in my case, and in the case of other people, you're speaking to somebody that automatically, intellectually, is looking at you through their eyes and saying, you can't even speak my language right. Uh, what the hell are you doing in my country? And you're, you're, you're a pain in the ass American. Yeah, that's really what they're saying as they're looking at you and laughing. But that's just, that's just life over there, okay? It gets better when you go to the countryside of France. People actually treat you with respect. You go to the big cities and, you know, you're just like an alien to them or something. You know, from another planet called America. Oh, well. Love you guys over there in France, but hey, maybe one day you, you might actually get what we're doing over here. Because I think we pretty much get what you're doing. Not that difficult to understand. It really isn't. But that's what's happening. You are creating your own language. The writing voice. That's what you're doing. A, a language that over a course of time you're going to still make adjustments to. You're going to still add things and subtract things as you go along. As you mature as a writer. Maybe as your outlook in the world changes possibly. Or you just think that maybe a certain thing that you're doing demands a different direction or something. But again, it's going to be in the language that you created. It's not going to be in your own personal language. And it makes a huge difference in what you're doing. It also automatically settles a few things that people have problems with, especially when they start writing. And that is, am I going to lose my identity? What the heck is my identity? Is my identity relevant enough to put it in this work? You know, am I going to feel confident? Am I confident enough to even do this? Am I afraid? Yeah, why, what can I do about this fear? Etc. Etc. A lot of those things are going to be running through your mind. They're going to be coursing through your veins in many instances. And that's fine. Those things are normal. But you'll find as you work at building that language, building that new writing voice, lots of those things, they start falling to the side. Because they're, they're the temporary apprehensions of doing something new. That's really all they are. If you let them get you, though, that's when you have a writer's block. That's when you start, you know, copping out of stuff. That's when you just, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do that. I've known so many writers over the course of my 38 years now of writing that they've left it. They left it for a while. Some of them left it forever. Some of them are just too slow on things because they got too many apprehensions that they let take over. You know, it's one of the it's one of the worst things for for writers particularly more than I feel than any of the other artistic fields. Okay, you don't have sculptors over here wondering about I don't know can I finish his thigh? Can I get this toe in here? No, they're not thinking that. They're just going around doing it because they already see it in their mind. They're chipping away to get to that picture that they see. I don't know how the hell they're so full of confidence, but I, I find them to be very confident people. Writers, we seem to have the most problems with this. But I am selling you right now, it doesn't, I know it might sound like really simple and it sounds simplistic and sounds corny. It even sounds like I, I stole this from Hallmark or something. But 
You could literally write yourself out of that nonsense by just continuing to do what I'm talking about. Make that other draft. Find who you want to say and what you want to say and how you want to say it. You'll write yourself for that. And why are you doing that? Because two things are happening. First thing, you're not concentrating on that silly fear. You're busy concentrating on building this language. All right? That's the first thing. And the second thing is, well, guess what? You're going to find out that, hey, I could do this. I could do that. You're already going to start feeling with more confidence. And guess what happens? When a person fills with confidence, okay, it's like that cup being filled with water. All the air and all that empty space, it all leaves. It's gone. So as you fill with confidence by doing this, fear leaves you. Fear can't stay around confidence. They're mortal enemies, fear and confidence. You get confident, fear is gone. You bring you bring in, in fear, invite it into your house and give it a Twinkie. Well, confidence is going to be on the back couch someplace going to sleep. Because it's like, the hell do you need me here for? You're hanging out with fear. Alright? Save the Twinkies for yourself. Kick fear out of your damn house. And let's get on with the confidence of doing this. You're going to start gaining that. It might be rudimentary. Okay? It might be, I don't know, first base of confidence if you want to call it that. But it's a damn start. Versus I can't do this. I don't know about that. Blah, blah, blah. Those are the things that hurt everything you're trying to do with writing. You won't be able to form the language that way. You won't be able to go forward if you're worrying about all these things you shouldn't be worrying about. See for yourself what you can do. Start doing it on a paper. You'll start seeing it. Then you'll start believing it. If seeing is believing for you, then there you go. Wait to see it and keep doing that and you will see it. But one of the problems with writing in general and why people get so trapped with fear is because... They lack faith. Faith is a hard thing to teach somebody. It's a hard thing to give anybody, really. It, it really is. No matter what you do, what you say. You know, you know how many times I've helped writers that failed anyway, no matter what I did? Because I couldn't give them faith. I can help them understand their own feelings and, and their own destiny. I can help them understand the general mechanics of writing. I can even help them understand... How they can put themselves in, in even an environment in a way that would be more conducive to, to the muse and, and to gaining that inspiration. We could even do that. But I can't give you the faith of believing that you can do something. You have to find that on your own. And it's really what separates the writers from the people that, I don't know, either do this as a hobby or kind of go in and out. You know, lots of people I know, and I'm, and I'm, not, I'm not making a judgment on anybody, but a lot of people I know who are retired... A lot of them felt, you know, over the course of their years of, write, uh, of writing a, uh, in, in a career or putting things to the side that, you know, they didn't have the real time to devote to it or they didn't feel that they had enough faith because they had so much they were dealing with, with their family and a full-time job and, you know, and all that, uh, that it was only later on when they retired and they felt that things were more settled in their life that they felt they can go back to this in a stronger fashion and maybe find the faith. Some of them did very well doing that. Maybe that's what they needed. You know, to put all that stuff aside. It's obviously a very personal choice. But what I do know is regardless of whether you put this down and want to do it 50 years later. Or you're doing it right now and you're, you're the age of 28. If you don't have faith, you're not going to have any conviction. You're not going to have any writing. You're not. You're not going to do anything that's going to be worth any kind of a damn. Because you can always tell a reader no matter what kind of sophisticated reader they are, or even just an editor like myself, can always tell the difference between those that give you something that they're invested in and those that just give you something that they're running by the numbers. I hope this works.
I don't know about this. Once you get better, creating your language, understanding how you're putting together words, distilling what your life is about, what your language is about as a person, maybe even some of the things that you feel emotionally in there, well then, you'll actually feel more confident to put down something that we all can engage in, or we can all relate to, or possibly we can all just simply be educated by. Because that's one of the things you're going to be doing with your writing. You're going to connect and engage with somebody, or you're going to educate them, you're going to maybe inspire them. Maybe in some instances you're going you're gonna to make them feel kind of down because you're talking about something that possibly could be sad or could be something that they connect to that something is happening, you know, like a breakup you know, of a relationship or you know, the death of somebody you love or you know, a friend that you know, went off the deep end you know, that was, was a great person, but unfortunately they ruined themselves with you know, addiction or suicide or something like that. And we can all feel that because all of us have had something like that in our lives at least once, if not a few times. But that is all about finding your writing voice. It's really, really essential to do so because you can't really write without having that writing voice, without having what they might want to call later on a style. Where there is times that you literally be able to tell your style from somebody else's style. Style is really just another word for voice. But sometimes people in the arts, they don't always like to be very personable. and They, they always don't, don't always like to use humanistic language. They always like to use this distant stuff. So they call it style. It's really just a voice. That's what it is. Okay? It's really no different. I, I know in the, in, the, in the fashion world, when they make dresses, they call it the signature. I don't know what the hell that's supposed to actually mean. Because in the end, to me, I'm still looking at it as that's that designer's voice. And I can tell their voice, no matter what kind of dress they make, because there is a certain calling that you can hear there. You can see something there that, that's not other people's, quote, style. So, as you see how it's very interchangeable. Voice, style, signature. Or you can use the generic word design, which to me is just... I don't know. I'm going to fall asleep with design because it's boring. Okay. But that's really what it is. And that's what you need to be able to understand and continue to work on. Now it's different than when you're working on trying to make a great poem. That's, the, that's actually completely different than trying to write the, the voice that's necessary, the writing voice, to get to that part of writing that great poem. We're talking about the very beginning of things. But I tell you sometimes, believe it or not, I've come across writers that they're not in the beginning of the stages of their writing career, so to say. They they could have been doing this for years. But I, I see talent, because that's what you're doing when you start doing this and you start creating this 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 voice, this this writing voice. You you are starting to formulate not only a language, but you're starting to formulate your own building blocks of your own talent. But I can see in their work the talent. I could see some of the ideas. I could even see very intelligent and artistic word choices. But I also see something that seems lost, sort of like a drift. And that's because literally a person could still write, maybe even get away with certain things, even get published and still haven't figured out what their writing voice is. So I, I come across some people like that. 
they're not easy people to, to communicate and to talk to about it because they think you're a jerk or they get mad or, you know. I had somebody the other day get mad at me because I had to reject him for guidelines. Got mad to send me dirty uh, emails and cursing me and all kinds of nonsense. That's how people do stuff like this these days in, in the writing world. It, it's almost like the politics and the culture out there. It, it seems to affect the writing sometimes too. People just act uh, like completely moronic. No personal responsibility. No artistic responsibility. We got guidelines. Read them. Follow them. Don't like them? Cool. Go someplace else. Don't submit stuff to me where you obviously did not even read it once. I mean, the guy's giving me poems that, that are beyond any lines I'm willing to accept. I mean, really? Literally, the entire batch was acceptable because it, it violated like five different guidelines. And I even told the guy, you're a good writer, but this is not acceptable. Ah, you're evil, you're rude, you're this, you're that, blah, blah, blah. So don't get that. You don't want to get that way. But unfortunately, we do got some writers that like that. They haven't figured out their own voice yet as a writer. Their own style, their own signature, whatever you want to call it. I say voice. And for them, doing something like that, I'm sure it's probably a lot harder to do than someone who's beginning out. It's no different than in the workforce where sometimes people don't want to hire you even though this is a prejudice and I'm not saying that I endorse it because I don't at all. I mean, I'm an older guy so God knows I don't. All right, But I know in the workforce a lot of times they'll say I don't want to hire the older guy. I'd rather hire the younger guy because the younger guy I can still shape and change and, and teach him my ways of doing things where the older guy, he's so set in his ways that I'll never be able to do this. He'll be arguing with me all day long. It's just a stupid stereotype. It's not hard to have an interview and ask somebody those direct questions. You have a right to do so. Hey, older guy, if we hire you, are you going to be able to put that stuff to the side and, and, and operate the way we operate and learn the way we do things? Yes or no? See, not hard to figure out. Not hard to, to, to tackle that situation. No, but I think that sometimes for writers that are a little bit more advanced and they haven't found their voice, it's probably a lot harder because they might feel in many ways they have to go back to the drawing board. I don't think why that's a problem, though. Go do that. You should do that. You don't have to make a public thing out of it. No one's trying to embarrass you. But who's to say in private you can't go back there and try to figure out something to create that voice? Something that's going to make you sound like who you are rather than trying to sound like somebody else. Because that's what happens with, with writing that way. Is you got somebody that has some basic talent. They can write things that are passable. That, hell, I'll even publish at times. But it's not hard to tell that whoever's in there is not the writer. It's somebody else. They're trying to be somebody else. For whatever reason, I don't know. I say they're lost. And they need to find themselves. Because the best way to write is about what you think and what you feel and what's going on out there. Have it filtered through who you are. There's nothing more personal, I feel, than, than, than writing. There really isn't. You can't say that, that it's not. And I know we got a, a bunch of writers out there. And that's why I knock people on the whole ID thing. Because I really, really, really can't appreciate people trying to be somebody else. But they're going to write down all this stuff. You know? You got people out there saying, saying crazy things like, you know, a poem is just a poem. Really? Why are you wasting my time then? Hmm? A poem is just a poem? First of all, what that says to me is that you're not interested in taking responsibility of what you wrote. 
Oh, no, this is not about me. It's about my friend. Yeah, okay. Second of all, if you're not going to take what you're doing seriously, why should we? Okay, you're going to give me that kind of introduction. Hey, you know, it's, it's a poem. It's just a poem, you know. It's not really like, you know, about me or anything that deep. Okay. Why invest your time in it? Why send it to me? Why send it to anybody? So that's a real issue about the voice. You're going to be the strongest as a writer when you're the clearest about who you are, when you're the most honest about who you are. And I don't care who you are. If you can't start doing that, ultimately, as you go on your writing career, it becomes a real issue. It becomes a stress point. It could create a writer's block. It can create or even further a pre-existing depression because you're not being who you're supposed to be. And that's never a good thing. Now, I'm, I'm not one to urge somebody to come out of the closet of anything. That's, that's what you want to be. That's where you want to be. You actually have a right to do so. And I don't have a problem with that. But like anything we do, that's a choice. You can't blame somebody. You can't blame society. You can't blame the parents. You can't blame Coca-Cola. You can't blame Pepsi, okay? You choose to do that. Then you have to live with those consequences. Some of them you feel are good and there's going to be some that's going to be bad. You know all this already. So finding your writing voice. Not only sets you apart from somebody else so you could be who you're supposed to be. But it's the very best way that you're going to make a connection with the audience. The very best way. You'll find that you'll read stuff. It might not sound like it's the sharpest. It might not sound like it's the most polished stuff you ever read. But it sticks with you. You think about it later. You might even talk about it with somebody. Not even mentioning, just talking about the notions that it brought into your brain. Why is all that happening? Is it happening because you're a bored individual and don't have nothing else to think about? Or is it happening because that writer, in their moment of artistic candor, has now connected with you and you're thinking about it. It's what we're supposed to be doing. That's how you know that writer is successful. They, they don't have to be a grammar genius. Okay? No, they don't have to have 500 master's degrees in, you know, uh, Coptic literature. Okay? They don't have to be a professor. Don't even have to even have gone to college. They sit down. They work on, they practice, they rearrange, they plow their soul, dig into their heart, possibly pull out a brain cell or two. They're going to come up with something that's going to reach people. And they do that on a regular basis. Guess what? They formed a flow of talent. They've become an artist. The writer has arrived. And that writer doesn't need a damn certificate from any place in the world. Because the moment they connect, the moment somebody's saying, I haven't thought about that before. Oh, I, that's brought about an emotion I've had, had in some years. Hey, I should consider that. That's when you're arrived. And you don't need anybody's permission. And you don't need anybody's sanction. And you certainly don't need anybody's document or, 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 or diploma 
to say this is who you are. Be who you're supposed to be. You just got to get through the prejudice out there and you got to get through your own fear and you got to get through your own time and practice to be able to do so. But it's it's attainable. I don't know how easily it's attainable. Everybody has a different learning curve or even a different talent curve. But it is attainable. It's not impossible by a long shot. Now the last one here. It is the artistic voice. And when we talk about that, it's really the third in in this show. And in the sense that you know you have that voice outside of writing. Your everyday da- daily voice. Then you have the writing voice where you've now converted yourself into writing like an artist in order for you to connect to other people. Well, the artist's voice is different amongst all of that in the sense that it's you trying to find out maybe the things that you're the most interested in. Because it's an entirely one thing to find your own voice and connect to who you are. But it's another thing to connect now to something that might be interesting so that you can convey that. Whether you're interested in in the philosophy of life or you're interested in your own emotions about the things of the world. You're interested about you know the whales are dying in the ocean or you know, the Japanese are killing dolphins by the millions. Or you're interested in... You know, uh, why isn't there world peace yet or even Middle East peace? Or you're interested in, you know, um, I think I'll be healthier if I cut out the soda in my diet because the sugar will eventually give me diabetes. Whatever the hell you're particularly interested in is your artistic voice. Everybody has a different kind of slanter they are. Some people come across kind of like dark and moody. You got other folks that come across very bright and cheery. You got some folks that come across academically. And remember, when I make a fun about academic stuff sometimes, it's just to be able to burst a few bubbles there. It's not like I have anything against it. I actually like academic writing. And I'm alright with it, as long as they're actually staying on to the earth here. Okay? Alright, if I gotta run to the dictionary and I'm a college graduate, you know, every other, every other sentence, you know, you, you might want to consider, like, doing something that's going to be a little easier for us to connect with. Okay? Now everything needs to be a dissertation. Okay? On Descartes, alright? And, of course... The artistic voice of maybe in this particular time frame that you're doing something. Maybe this week or this month. You know, I'm going to do stuff on horror. Maybe next week I'll go science fiction. Or, you know, I'm in the mood to do something that would be very humane, down-to-earth kind of romantic. Or maybe uh, this is the time where I just need to remind people about some of the way they conduct themselves in society. We could probably have a, a thousand essays on that, you know, this week. <laughs> we can we can use probably about 500 of them about right now. But that's what we mean about the artistic voice. Now, don't get me wrong. You can change that voice whenever you want. No one says you have to write about one thing to have one voice and that's the end of the story. Some people do that, you know. I mean, Agra Kukishi, I mean, that's all she did was the... You know, the novel uh, about the uh, detective, pretty much. It was pretty much a, a crime murder mystery drama. That's all she ever did. That's all she cared about. And then there's nothing wrong with that. That's what she felt comfortable, and that's what she did. In the short form of things, you could take that flash fiction or that poem, and you can make it into so many different things. So many different forms, so many different messages, so many different themes, so many different angles, so all kinds of stuff. No one says you have to stick to one thing or another. 
but you need to be able to understand the voice that you're putting out there or the things that you might be really interested in so that you can convey that through your writing voice in a convincing manner. Okay, because it's, it's entirely a different thing to say, Mark, I found myself yesterday, but today I suck at science fiction because I haven't found science fiction yet. I haven't got it. I, it's not in me yet. And then you have to decide, is it worth a lot of time to investigate it, to, to make it part of you, to do it? Because you really have a passion about it, then okay. If it's just something you want to try, if you don't feel it's going to swing your way, or it might be, it, it seems like it's beyond you, maybe at the moment it is beyond you. Go find something else. You come back to it later. There's no really, in writing, there's no real forever. Unless you make it forever out of fear, or out of just disgust, or I don't, just don't want to do that particular thing anymore. Then it's for forever. Otherwise, it doesn't have to be. Okay? What you put off today, because you, maybe you feel like at the moment you're better off doing something else, something stronger, or something that you maybe closer to your heart, you might do another time. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, I, I happen to think that's a, a wiser decision. I mean, because there's nothing I feel more excruciating than sitting there with a pad or pencil, laptop, phone, whatever, at two, three weeks and you're trying to get something done. And you're like, why is this getting done? I, I get emails and sometimes chats about people that they'll send me a message. Mark, I've been doing this three weeks. What the hell's wrong? You think I might have the beginnings of writer's block? I'm like, no. I don't think you have the beginnings of writer's block. I think you have the beginnings of get the hell on another subject block, okay? Because until you do so, you're not going to get anywhere. If it's not flowing, if you don't think it's coming to anything close to what you want, you need to put it aside. Notebook, whatever. Throw it away over there someplace for a little while. Go on to something else. That's what you need to do. You cannot force things and make them work correctly. Because guess what? It's going to sound forced. You're going to notice that it is. You're not going to be happy with things. You're going to be like, ugh. You're going to get tired with it. Some people actually just send it out. Even though they know it's not everything it's supposed to be. When you do that, you're really just sending out a first draft. Who wants to read your first draft? I know I don't. I want to read what's what's been formulated. I want to read what you like saying it's ready now versus I'm disgusted with this and I'm going to send it out anyway. You don't want to do that. Certain things you just can't force. So don't force that, okay? Please. Next, in the artistic voice. Keep in mind this one simple rule, okay? What you do in this voice in this theme, in this angle, is actually going to help you on other ones that come about in, in the future. It actually gives you sort of like a dress rehearsal. You might say to yourself, and even the reader might say, you know, Mark, I don't really, I don't really see any semblance between horror and science fiction. I really see them totally apart. Oh, yeah, you're right. As a reader, you should see them totally apart. But as a writer... You're going to see certain things in when you write horror that you might actually see some angles on science fiction later because you're opening up yourself to imagination, to some scary stuff, to some interesting themes and concepts. Well, you're going to need that for fantasy. You're going to need that for science fiction. Guess what? You'll even need that for just straight dramatic writing. Why is that? Because any experience in working in an artistic voice it lends itself to all the other things later as you keep doing them, different things. 
it only makes you more well-rounded. It only makes you stronger as a writer. It helps your, your imagination and your viewpoint. You know, if you want to think of his imagination as a muscle, well, then you're exercising that muscle and you're making it stronger. Like if you were in an intellectual gym over there pushing the weights, it's the same thing. So there is a connection and there is some similarities and there is a real, I feel, worth and value to doing something because you're learning something from it as an artist. And you're also going to learn something, maybe something as a person too, because I can't tell you how many times it's happened to me. And it'll happen to you too, where you're over there thinking that you're in charge of this writing, that you're the man, you're the woman, you're the girl, you're the boy, you're ready to rock and roll. This is me in charge, da-da-da-da-da. And you find out later on as you're doing this thing, the damn thing is teaching you things. I'm like, how the hell are you teaching me? So I'm supposed to be teaching you. It's teaching you. It's telling you stuff that you didn't realize. Because sometimes imagination breaks through a lot of the junk that we see in the world or we hear in the world that we put aside or we don't take seriously or we just want to dispel it. Or maybe even we think, oh, that's just too negative for me. But when you write, you see things and you hear things that you wouldn't otherwise. It makes you more worldly that way. It makes you more wiser. And in many instances... It makes you a better writer because it starts opening you up. It starts broadening your viewpoint. And in a weird way, it, it's teaching you something. I've heard of, of, of novelists that said, yeah, uh, uh, after a while, the, the damn character is speaking by itself and I'm just like throwing down some words. I'm going in this direction and that direction because the character is actually taking me there. Okay. Now that person is not nuts. All right. They don't have schizophrenia. Okay. They're not telling you this stuff as a metaphor to make you feel better. They're really saying this is really happening because it really is. <laughs> they become a life of their own. And you'll learn that as you can build yourself through artistic voices that it's going to speak back to you. And I don't mean in some stereotypic way about I hear voices and I need to go to the, you know, to the weird hospital. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about the... The voice you hear in your, in your head, the artistic voice that's telling you things, that, that's teaching you things. You're learning things from it. Now, you're still investing yourself in it. And you're still putting things in there that you didn't realize. But you're going you're gonna to discover new things too. It's one of the joys of writing. And it's also one of the things that help you become a more mature person as a writer. And just simply a more mature writer. Now, one of the final things I have to say about uh, the artistic voice is this, okay? You would think this is part of the writing voice, but it's not really. It's about the artistic voice because the artistic voice is not about the mechanics of writing like, like the writing voice is. The artistic voice is really the philosophy of the metaphor. It's about the kind of direction you can go in. And there's a number of things you have to consider. Now, you don't have, these are not either or the, uh, situations. I don't really believe in those things. I think those are those crappy hypotheticals we'll put over there to try to get you in a direction. Don't believe in that crap. You don't have to go in anybody's direction that you don't want to go. You just All you have to do as a writer is live what, what you do. And if you can't, then go and do something different than, in, in that writing. Because you have to be responsible for your writing. Period. Whether someone likes it or not is another story. Maybe even just their story. But you got to be responsible for it. You can't run away from it. All right? We have a lot of writers out there because of the way things have gone in culture over the last few years that 
they they get lost in the autistic voice because they don't know exactly know what they want to do. And here's a perfect example. The black writer or the writer that happens to be black or the writer that just writes even though he's black. There's a couple of ways you can go about that and you can insert in there Hispanic, woman, gay, whatever. Not hard to do. It's all interchangeable. But those are things that you also have to decide upon when you when you go forward. Now, I'm not telling you that you need to pick one of those over the other because you don't. You're free to do whatever you want. But each one has a different voice and a different responsibility. If you're the black writer, you're saying, I'm only write about black subjects. And pretty much I'm going to be shooting it out there to the black audience. With the full understanding and responsibility that somebody else who's not in that crowd, who reads it, might not fully understand what you're talking about. Now, I, I know that might sound to some people to be controversial because every day, everything these days, when you talk about these things, is supposedly controversial, but it's not, okay? It's simply common sense. If you do that, you got to take the responsibility on what you've just done. Just like if you decide next week after you just did that, you know, this week now I want to be the writer that happens to be black. Now, if you want to make that code to be you're going to write in more general audience, including everybody, then that's fine. There's nothing wrong with saying that or even believing that. But that's actually what you're doing. Okay, so when you do that, again, that has a different set of responsibilities. Or you could be somebody that simply ditches all of that and just wants to do one thing. And that's it. And maybe never does something different again, like a journalist or somebody that's just simply a a simple uh, straight science fiction or, or horror novelist and this is all they do that uh, stuff is never really going to matter anyway it's never going to come out in any kind of real form because you're just concentrating on the stories and, and the characters something like Octavia Butler you still got people to this day that didn't even know that was a black woman you got gay people that don't even know that that was a lesbian black woman why is that? well they didn't exactly broadcast it not because she wasn't a uh, Having an issue with it. She just didn't. It didn't matter. Writing mattered. And she was the master. Of all of it. To this day. And she's been dead 20 years. Master. So those are some of the things. You're going to have to also decide upon. On the artistic voice. Do I want to be the woman writer. Or do I want to be the writer. That happens to be a woman. Or is there something in between. Well there is. You could go create something in between. No one says you can't. Don't fall for all the hypotheticals. I'm just giving you some of the things that you have to think about. Because some people, they feel they have to do this or do that. And you, and you don't. And if you listen to any kind of peer pressure or academic pressure or even political or philosophical pressure, you're, you're a dumb-dumb to do so. And that's, that's my official term for you, dumb-dumb. Okay? Because you won't grow and do everything you're supposed to be as a writer if you're just going to stick yourself in the corner someplace. Unless that's truly, truly what you want to do. You know, Mark, I want to be a hardware writer and that's it. Okay, fine, great. Go do that. God bless. Let me know. Let me check it out, okay? But if you need to, or if you have to, move around. No one says you can't. You don't have to be one thing or another. You just have to understand that whatever you do, you got to take responsibility for it. You know? I, I, I talk to writers privately all the time that have some of these issues. Some of the black writers say, Mark, you know, I get knocked privately about 
I'm doing something that's not exactly exclusive for the black audience. So, you know, they, they, they got, you know, in between, they got some names for me. They got, they got some words for me. They have some disappointment. Even my family looks at me like, what the hell did you go to college and do this for? Just so you could talk to other people that don't look like you. Well, God forbid, uh, you know, that you, you know, you actually want to, you know, connect with the world. And the world, guess what, is everybody, not just folks that look like you. Nothing wrong with that. But their criticism is, I find it in many ways, deeply offensive. And I, I can see why that writer is concerned, because that's pressure. You know, and that's stress. And that's things that writers shouldn't really have to weigh in on themselves. But they're human beings like everybody else. And, you know, it, it is going to factor into sometimes, you know. Occasionally, you're like, what do you think I should do? And, and all I can say is what comes out of my heart. You have to do what you find happy, not what they find happy. So if it turns out you find happy to be a black person that happens to write about all kinds of other cool subjects, including sometimes some black subjects, because you just want to get out there and do all kinds of different things, nothing wrong with that. If that makes you happy, that's what you should be doing, because that's where your best work's going to come out. We're all going to learn something incredible from that. But if you really feel in your heart as well, listen, like I just I need to be the black writer talking about black subjects. I need to go out there and talk to black people and educate them and blah blah blah. And there's nothing wrong with that either. You understand the responsibility for that. You also understand, you know, the audience that that limits you to. And and I don't mean that in a negative way. That's just a fact. That's just the way it is. Okay. And if that's what you want to live in, in, in that in that environment, you can and you could be successful in doing that. And if you feel totally content in that, there's nothing wrong with that. It, it, it's in many ways, not only enriching, it's noble. But you don't have to stay there forever if you don't want to either. No one says you do. You could do other things for other people. Or even just for yourself. You, know, you might have a, a great American novel in there somewhere after you're doing all that other stuff for this community or for that community. Women all the time now are faced with this kind of issue. I don't know, Mark. I mean, there's so many facets of being a woman, Mark. I'm not sure if I should write about my uh, my days as a mother, motherhood. Uh, or do I write about juggling motherhood with the job? Or do I write about the job? Do I write about just being a woman by itself? And being a woman being appreciated by a man? Or maybe even a woman being appreciated by a woman? You know? You're right. It is pretty damn complex. And sometimes when I hear... All, all of that, I'm like, oh, man. It's like, without trying to sound offensive over here, it's like I'm glad I'm a guy because it's a little simpler to be a guy than that, to go through all of that. That's that's a lot of roles. I mean, sure, I got a role as a husband and a, and a, and a father and an artist and all that and a worker. And, you know, I, I could probably make some roles up over here, but they're, they're not as diverse or as legion as, as a woman. A woman is, is a big job. I most men are glad they're not women just because it's just too much work. <laughs> I, I couldn't even think about all the work that's involved in it. It's incredible. And that's why we have to have more leeway for women in many instances in life. And I, I also feel that we have to, in many instances, have more respect for them and try to figure out things that they're going through so that we can all make our own connection on our relationships and maybe even in writing. You know, I've read some women, women writing and I'm like, God... This is a good writer, but I don't know half of what the hell she's talking about. I really don't. I don't know it's because I'm dumb, or I'm just not woman-sensitive enough, or they're just writing for the women audience. I really don't know. But what I do know is that 
there is so many facets of being a woman that, yeah, that those can go with writing too. And if you want to, you can go try to work on all of those if, if they've come across in your life as all of those. Because it's entirely possible, you know, today in this day and age to be a woman, in love with a woman, married to a woman, have a job, have a, have a career, uh, doing artwork, uh, painting the house, you know, and, and then, you know, running the pump in the basement when it gets flooded from the, from the damn, you know, storm. You could be doing all that in the space of 30 days. <laughs> that could all be your life. It's not like it's uncommon or, or, or even that unique anymore. But it, it certainly deserves, you know, an artistic voice and, and something that, you know, speaks to that. Because I'm sure there's a lot of other people wondering about, is there anybody out there like me doing all this crap? Yeah, there are. And, and sometimes that's what the writer's doing is bridging that, that information gap or that experience gap or that I'm alone in the corner over here and I'm, I'm not sure what the hell I'm going through gap. So, yeah. But you have to make those decisions, though, because each time you put on that, that hat, so to speak, there's a different responsibility. You can't write, you know, about your, um, your lover, your spouse, the same way you're going to write about, you know, getting the water out of the damn basement or juggling children in, in a job or, or just the, the career as, as a woman, the, you know, the ups and the downs, you know, the ceilings and the no ceilings and the this and the that. They're all going to be very different. With a different uh, viewpoint and, and, and a different voice, and certainly a different experience, so you have to take the responsibility of doing that. But who can really tell you what direction you're supposed to go? You do have to find that yourself. You do. Nobody really can. You know, they can pose questions like I did. What's on your heart? In all, and if you don't know what's on your total heart, what's on your heart this week? How's that? This week, I'm going to write about my lover. All right, cool. Maybe you'll have something different on your heart next week. This next week, I'm going to write about being a single woman trying to fix up a damn house, which is not easy. And I don't want to ask a man to do it because I just want to be able to be self-reliant. And how the hell do I do that when I barely know how to swing a hammer? It's not a bad article to write. It's not a bad thing to confess. It's, it's a learning curve on all kinds of things in, in, in that kind of an article. But as you can hear, that kind of voice and that kind of experience is different. But you'll make a connection with somebody that's saying the same thing. Hey, I'm over here doing the same thing. This guy's gone. I got a kid. Friggin' roof is leaking over here. I'm not sure about this water heater. You know, my AC is going up and down more than than, than a grasshopper on crack. What what am I going to do? So, I mean, I got that. But that's that's some of the decisions you have to make as in, in, in that artistic voice. And they are deeply, I feel, they're deeply personal. They really can't be, in my opinion, influenced by somebody. Because once you allow that, it, it doesn't go the direction it's supposed to go. You're really on a forced path then. And there's nothing more inauthentic or fake than just going to do something else that somebody else told you to do. You know, right now, in college, I don't care if we have COVID or not, okay? There's a freshman class going, what the hell am I doing here? This is what my father wanted me to do. This is what my mother said I'm supposed to do. And later on, they're going to find out what they're supposed to do. And that's why people change courses and change career paths and change majors. You know, they don't do that because they suddenly discover something's cooler. No, they're doing that because they just suddenly discovered themselves. Because somebody else has been telling them something probably for the last five years about what the hell they're supposed to be doing. Don't be like that like a writer. 
where you're out there like some pre-programmed robot. You're supposed to do something. You're supposed to write the women's stuff. You're supposed to write the, the black stuff. Or you're supposed to be, you know, writing half Spanish and half English because you, you happen to be in a, a Hispanic American. Only you can say what you're supposed to write. And only you can say what you, the direction you're supposed to go. So find that because you can find that. It might be the hardest thing that you have to do as a writer. Is the sort of finding out who you are and what you want to do. And then after that, going to, to pursue it. With the understanding that, guess what? You could be wrong. Maybe a month later, you know, maybe I need to go in this direction. You've got to keep finding it until, uh, until something clicks. There's nothing wrong with that. It's what you're supposed to do. It's the way you're going to write the strongest and the most authentic. It's the way that you're going to be who you are supposed to be. Versus what somebody else wants you to do. Whether that somebody else is your friends or family. Or that somebody else's society. Or that somebody else is your culture. Or maybe your church says you sure should do this. And you want to do that. When you find your own voice. And when you set out your own path. You're not telling those people. Well go heck with you. You're not even telling those people no. You're just simply saying. This is what's the best for me. And I love you as my friend. And I love you as my mother. And yes, I find inspiration in the church. But I need to have my voice. Because in the end, guess what? If you're a believer in God, you are the custodian of your soul. Not the pastor. Not the choir. Not the janitor. Not the dude that fixes the roofs uh, on, the, on the church. You are. You're responsible for your own spiritual conduct. You're responsible for your own writing conduct. You're the custodian of all of this. Because you're responsible for all this. So even if you get fooled by somebody to do something you don't want to do, you're still responsible for that. Because you made that choice. So make the right choice instead of the wrong choice. I don't really think it's that difficult to do. Just put down the fear and start doing it. Figure out what's going to be the best voice for you. And that's going to make you the best voice, best writer. Because you're going to have the best voice that's necessary. Something that, that you're going to find everything clicks then. You, you, you'll feel it. it it's, it's the synchronicity that people talk about all the times. Yeah, I feel it. I'm going with this. Boom, 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 boom. It, it's a beautiful feeling. It's the right feeling that you should have as a writer. So it's not such a, a chore. And it's not such a terror. And it's not such a burden. It should not be any of those things. Now, I, you're going to have days where it's not a joy. And that's fine. But it, it's not supposed to be a hell either. And that's really finding your voice as a writer, folks. Until next time. God bless and take care. This is Mark Anthony Rossi, Strength to be Human. Find Your Voices Writer, episode 138. Thank you for listening. Follow the show and support our efforts by visiting our sponsors at www.strengthtobehuman.com or purchasing an ebook at www.somapublishing.com.